This episode of the Bucktails podcast is presented by Pistol Creek for those who enjoy the journey as much as the destination. Thank you for listening. Pick his head up. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. (laughs) Good deer, babe. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bucktails podcast. This is Eli Self. Uh, wanted to come to you guys with a winter update. Uh, have not released an episode this week, and I think I may have even missed last week. Uh, time kind of runs together right now because uh, six, almost six weeks ago, five and a half weeks ago, my wife had our baby, so we have been super duper busy with that. Um, just haven't really had a lot of time to record or meet up with people to get more stories, trying to arrange a meeting or a time to interview Evan Buffilli on his second buck. Uh, he's been really busy with school and work, things like that. Both of us have. Um, I'm currently getting my specialist degree, so that's uh, exciting in, in instructional technology. Finished up my first semester with that, so I've got a lot more free time now until January rolls around. Um, at work, I'm a high school teacher, so with COVID, it's been just crazy trying to get kids caught back up. We actually just got shut down the rest of the week, and we're doing blended learning uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday before the break. So kids are at home doing work, or supposed to be doing work, but we all know how that goes. Um, so just super busy there. Uh, I'm teaching extended days, so I don't have a planning period anymore at school. Um, so just busy all the way around. But life is good. Everyone's healthy. Uh, so, you know, praise God on that. So going into January, January 2nd, is the first tournament of the Dahlonega John Boat Anglers season. So I'm the president of DJBA. And I might give you guys updates from time to time on that, on how I'm doing in the series, or if I can interview the winners, things like that. I might put some fishing stories on here as well. Um, Looking into the future, into 2021, turkey season is really not that far away. And uh, Pistol Creek is one of our sponsors, so we'll be getting some Pistol Creek stories from from people who use the calls, from the owner, John Browning, and some some other people um, uh, from turkey hunting. So turkey hunting stories are always really exciting to me uh there's all even if you don't kill something or see anything in the woods usually there's a great story that comes out of it something happened they flanked you they spotted you whatever there's some kind of a interesting story usually that comes out from turkey hunting so that's something to look forward to um so for deer season i am going to tell you a deer story today but before i get into that talking a little bit about Current season, late season excitement, we're going into the last, you know, month, month and a half. Well, I guess last full month, really, of the Georgia deer season. It ends in early to mid-January. So, on our club, it is a good mix of pines and hardwoods with a lot of big fields. And usually this year, the fields are planted in winter wheat. And uh, usually those are pretty hot. So, I haven't been down there. I haven't been able to check cameras uh, it's about two, two and a half hours away from us, from where I live, so I haven't had a chance to go down there and scout, especially with the new baby. So this will be, this upcoming weekend, December the 19th, will be our first uh, trip down there with Tessa, our daughter. So five and a half weeks old, heading to the hunting club. Hopefully we'll get to hunt a few times. You know, the schedule's kind of, schedule will be up in the air, you know, depending on how she's doing. But uh, looking Looking forward to getting to hunt some of the fields. I'll probably still hunt the woods in the mornings, you know, hunt some acorns and things like that. And on that note, I actually listened to a Deer University podcast, 
and it was something about I forget the title of it, but when our deer attracted to acorns, something something like that. But it was a graduate student um, that was talking about red oak acorns versus white oak acorns, and he did a study where he was talking about the germination period of white oaks versus red oaks, whereas white oaks usually germinate very quickly within two or three days, and red oaks have to stay on the ground throughout the winter in order for them to sprout and, you know, grow. So what's interesting there is he did a study, it was in Mississippi, but still a hardwood area. Um, He did a study where, like, he said about a month, just over a month after the rut, uh, places where he had put red oak acorns, it was it was a it was an oak in the red oak family. I'm not sure what the exact name of it was, but it was a red oak acorn. He had put like 500 acorns at one tree one week, then like 2,000 the next. Or my numbers may be off there, but either way, he supplemented the amount of acorns in certain areas, and he noticed that after they had been on the ground for a you know a long time, a couple months, but after the rut the amount of deer that came in was like three and a half to four times as much, daylight and dark. So that's something interesting that I had never really thought about of, you know, finding specifically red oak acorns for, you know, late season hunts. So that's something that I want to, I might try to do a little bit of, you know, midday scouting this weekend, try to find something along those lines. So interesting uh, podcast from the Deer University at Mississippi State. So the story that I'm going to get into is an eight, is an eight pointer that I killed at Pistol Creek. Um, I think it was in 2013, and it was early November, like November second or third, somewhere around in there. So this is one of those more boring stories, but um, sometimes those boring stories are you know kind of nice as a hunter. You know, it wasn't crazy, nothing you know extravagant happened. Um, and this is this podcast is more of one just to give you guys an update on if you were looking for an episode, why one hasn't came out. So this is more of an update on life, an update on, you know, just how things are going for me. So, anywho, this the eight pointer I killed. The I'll post pictures on the Facebook and Instagram, but it was like a 110 inch eight pointer. I, I forget what it scored exactly, but in between 100 to 110. So not not a massive deer by any means. But it was a big deer to me at the time, so I would have been 21 there. Had I'd only killed one other decent buck by that point in time, but um, so a good buck to me. But to set the scenario, it was early November, and at this point in time, the fields had been harvested and nothing had been planted yet. It was just one of those funky years where weather hadn't really let the farmer plant the fields. There's we have hundreds of acres of fields on our lease. And there's a farmer that has rights to many of the fields. We still have our own food plots, and that's what I'm going to get into here. So the place I was hunting is right off the edge of some of these big fields, surrounded by some pine thickets. And it's probably not even an acre, probably three-quarters of an acre food plot. And we we usually plant like a buck forage oats. We'll, see, we'll, th- we'll uh, throw out some turnips in there as well. But uh, So it was uh, buck forage oats and some turnips, but it was one of the only green food plots, or green plots, green fields, on a span of about a thousand acres. There were maybe two or three other plots that were, you know, hundreds of yards away from this uh, specific location, so that's why I wanted to hunt this spot. It was an afternoon hunt. Um, I was hunting in a double stand right on the edge of the food plot, hunting with my Tika 308, Uh, so... You know, been watching all afternoon, hadn't seen anything. It's getting to be probably 
30, 45 minutes left of shooting light, getting kind of dark. And uh, like I said, the food plot is surrounded by pines. So you, it's really kind of hard to hear um, deer walk in or walking around there because it's like a lot of pines. So very quiet. They're walking on pine needles for the most part. So unless they step on a stick, you're really not going to hear them. So like I said, getting close to dark, 30, 45 minutes left of shooting light. And I'm, you know, just kind of glassing around. I mean, it's a very small food plot, so not a lot to look at, really. So I was just kind of daydreaming, looking off into space. And I catch movement out of the right corner of my eye. And I look over, and there's this, you know, good eight-pointer out in the food plot already. Like, right, like probably 18 to 20 yards. I mean, it, it could could not have been more than 20 yards. So I'm like, crap. I didn't have my gun up like a dummy. I had my gun propped up on the seat beside me. And with the, you know, barrel end up on the shooting rest on the rail of the double stand there. So I'm thinking, I've got a pretty good uh, backdrop. I'm hitting fairly well. I've, I'm, I've got canvas or a burlap around the, uh, the stand there. So I could, you know, movement is kind of concealed, but he's so close that anything I do, he's going to see me. And uh, I've also got a decent-sized cedar tree, like kind of up to the right from my stand, so it kind of blocks off part of the food plot. So if they do walk behind it, that's usually when you can, you know, pull your gun up and have a shot. So this buck was very close, perfectly broadside. I start easing my gun up, and uh, the barrel or a clip on my sling, and I know people, you know, are probably harping on this, but a lot of times when you're hunting with a gun, it's good to take the sling off your gun. That way it doesn't get caught on anything. Well, I left the sling attached to my gun, and I think it was the sling clinked like a metal sound on the shooting rail so at this point i've got the gun maybe halfway up it's you know tr i'm trying to slide it up to my shoulder i've got it maybe you know right up underneath my my chest here on the side and when i made that noise that buck looks straight at me and you can tell he's alert he knows exactly what i am he looks me dead in the eyes you know it's like they, it's like they can read your soul or something but anywho he looks at me, and I'm like, don't you move. And I think I, I probably said it that loud, too, because he had already seen me. I'm like, don't you move. So I, at that point, I threw the gun up, flipped the safety off simultaneously. I caught, I found a shoulder. I shot. I mean, it was like, I don't know, something out of Call of Duty. It was like a quick scope almost. I threw up, got on him, shot. It was a good shot, thankfully. He ran probably 40 yards, like barely out of the food plot, and, you know, expired, fell over. So I got to watch him fall. Um, so not too crazy of a hunt. It was kind of crazy in how I got my gun raised, but otherwise kind of an average, like I was sitting there, he walked out, got broadside immediately and, you know, I got the job done. So, uh, so that is the end of that story on that hunt. Like I said, kind of a short one, not a whole lot of details there. Uh, pictures will come in. I'll put those on the social media outlets, but, uh, thank you guys for listening so much. Uh, tell your friends to like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. The Bucktails Podcast, brought to you in part by Trick Sporting Goods in Dahlonega, Georgia.